When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, you fine feathered finks. Kevin Goatee gutting the sacred cow. How in the hell are you? What's going on? I hope you've been digging the past few episodes, especially Bill Schultz sitting in our guest chair as Kevin Israel took down The Shining and Joanne Noshinsky doing Silver Linings Playbook. But this week, episode 45, we got Kent Garrison right here on the show doing Ace Ventura. Yeah, that's a classic one to try and take down. Before we get to it, though, don't forget, guttingthesacredcow.com. Look, we have T-shirts... T-shirts right now. Everything. Long sleeve T-shirts, hats, hoodies, even cell phone cases. Go to guttingthesacredcow.com and get one. And if you get one right now, and I'm talking, I'm taping this September 3rd late night, so September 4th and 5th, there is a 10% discount out there for two more days. So September 4th and 5th, get that 10% discount. Guttingthesacredcow.com. Don't forget to go on all of our social media platforms. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Give us a like, please. Follow. And don't forget also... We do articles Monday through Friday, list of 10, sequels that we want to see, that we didn't want to see, you know the whole routine, check it out. And last but not least, pretty, pretty please, make sure you leave a five-star rating, two-sentence review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. We'll talk to you soon enough. I love you. Bye. Enjoy the episode. Gather round, here's what I know. You a fine looking man, Mr. Garrison. When you when I get out of here, I'm about to come see you later. Kevin Israel, name that film. I don't know. Damn it! I gave you two clues. Two clues. And I, and you know what? Your 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 crappy uh, black Southern accent didn't help. Well, it wasn't a black guy. It was a white guy named Kevin Bacon in the 1991 classic film JFK. Oh, I haven't seen that movie in fucking forever. It's so good. I love it. It's amazing. It's not uh, a movie you watch often, though. I sure do. In fact, that passes like the remote seven test. hours long. Three and a half, and it's fucking great. It's so ensemble-driven, and I love it. And I'm a sucker for the JFK conspiracy stuff, so I, I'm quite the fan of it. I have read that book I don't know how many times. On the Trail of the Assassins. Love it. But we didn't care to talk about JFK, for the love of Christ. Kevin Israel, Kevin Goatee, back. Cutting the Sacred Cow, thank you so much. We hope you're appreciating and loving all of our episodes. Go back and give a listen. Go back and listen to Michael P- Mike Price taking on Batman Returns. Got a lot of downloads from that one so far. Tia Fabi doing Batman versus Superman. 
And uh, why not go back and check out Anthony Acumia's doing Face Off? Everyone seems to always buzz about that one, huh, Kevin? I think that's a, a fan favorite. Uh, obviously, it was, a, and it was. I mean, it was a great, great guest, and he did a great job. Speaking of great guests, we've got another one on tap tonight. I love that 2-0 fastball you just gave me. Let's see. So from the athletic and film critic himself, let's give it up for Kent Garrison. Kent, how are you? Welcome to the yeah, podcast. I'm good. How are you guys? Doing well, sir. Tell everybody where we can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison and find uh, my movie podcast at Mad About Movies, uh, Mad About Movies on iTunes and MadAboutMoviesPodcast.com. And briefly describe Mad About Movies. Yeah, uh, we started it about seven years ago. It's kind of an offshoot of a college radio show with uh, with my co-host Richard and my other co-host Brian. And it's, it was kind of a movie a week podcast, you know, usually what what won the box office this past weekend, but we've, we've deviated it here and there. We've, we got some, some recurring bits on there and a Patreon and all that thing going. And it took a couple of weird turns during the pandemic when movies stopped coming out, but uh, yeah, and it's been really fun and uh, we've, we've had a really, really good time doing it so far. And um, who knows what's next with, uh, with how things are going right now. So we'll see. And as I look at behind you in your wall, what do I see? A photo of Jack Ruby shooting Lee Harvey Oswald. Going back <laughs> to our conversation three seconds ago. There you go. Boom. Yeah, that that was uh, that was a good call out. Um, but yeah, no, I'm from DFW, and uh, you know what a moment in our 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 past, and it's got like some Star Wars characters, kind of uh, I don't know, photoshopped in there. Yep. He came to talk about 1994 classic. I'll say. Ace Ventura, let's get into some numbers. A budget at the time of $11 million, bringing in a box office haul of $107.2 million, translating that to $2020, $19.3 million budget, $188.9 in today's times. Jim Carrey's first film and a rousing success. Now... Time to guess what it scored with everybody. On IMDb, as you know, Kevin and Kent, the IMDb score is a 1 through 10 with decimal points. Let's let our guests go first. Kent, what did Ace Ventura score on the old IMDb? You got to think. There's probably a lot of votes here. A lot of people probably that love this movie voting on this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rank it a little bit high. I'm going to go, go 7.3. Kevin Israel. IMDb. Kevin Flat. 6.9, dude. <sighs> I wouldn't have gotten either showcase. <laughs> yeah, you both went over. Critic score, Rotten Tomatoes, as we all know, 1 through 100 percentage points. Let's go, Kevin Israel. What did the critics score? I feel like it's going to be low. I'm going to say a 61. Kent. I'm going to go 50. 48 percent. Wow. Audience score. Back to Kent to lead off. Audience score. It's got to be higher than the critics. It's got to. So I'm going to go 59. Kevin Israel. 68. 57. Every showcase has been overbid. (laughs) Quotes. If I'm not back in five minutes, just wait longer. Hey, maybe I'll give you a call sometime. Your number is still 911. All righty then. (laughs) Congratulations on all your success. You smell terrific. Ace, do you have any more of that gum? That's none of your damn business, Dan, and I'll thank you to stay out of my personal affairs. Dan Marino should die of gonorrhea and rotten hell. Kevin Israel, quotes. Uh, I mean, look, everybody knows all of the 
his catchphrases and sayings. Um, the only one that ever made me really chuckle was the, uh, was the, I think your, your gun is poking me in my hip. <laughs> How about you, Kent? Any quotes jump out at you? Uh, sh- yeah, you, you said the one, the Dan Marino one is my favorite one. That's not by, not by Ace. Um, it's by, I guess, Finkel's mother in the movie. Yeah. Uh, yes. Delivers a, a hilarious reading of that line. Um, man, uh, do not go in there. It was, mm-hmm. I don't know, man, you know, I, I guess it'll come off later in, in this conversation, but yeah, a lot of my feelings about this movie, I just think back to when I was in elementary school and like every kid, what every kid repeated in like the second and third grade and fourth grade hallways. And that was the do not go in there. One was, was the favorite among the uh, seven and eight year old crowds. Uh, <laughs> how, how, how I remember it. So, um, so yeah, that went all righty then. Um, his really uh, thing that he does like 55 mm-hmm. times in the movie. Those are the only lines I remember in the movie, to be honest with you. Those are the, those are the jokes, if you will. I, th- I think Finkel's mom, if I'm not mistaken, is a librarian. Miss- in your pants is cool. Yeah. Consider me Miles Davis. It is, is not her. her. It is not I, her. I think it is. I don't think not, it is. It is one hundred percent. It is not her. One hundred percent. Kevin Israel, you should know who Finkel's mom is. She's the librarian in Ghostbusters. Oh shit! You're right. Oh wow! I know I'm right. Wow! Cool. With, the, with the big eyes. Yeah. You should no. It's definitely not the, the same. Uh, the same gal from uh, Billy Madison. Definitely not. Five fun facts. Five fun facts. Five fun facts for you right now. It's time for five fun more facts. Five fun facts for you right now. I knew this a little bit ago, but I was, again, surprised to read it again. It just shocked me. Want to take a – nah, you're not going to get it. Rick Moranis turned down the role of Ace Ventura. Did you know that? No. I did not know that. No. That would have been a completely different movie. What films did he choose to make instead? Flintstones and Little Giants. <laughs> and I finally saw Little Giants not even a month ago. That film is fucking terrible. I'm sorry. I love Al Bundy, but that is not a good movie. Number two, going for the role of Melissa, Melissa Robinson, Lauren Holly, who turned out to marry Jim Carrey while they starred in Dumb and Dumber together. He met her at the audition for Ace Ventura and kept the romance up, and they were married for just a year. It was a smoking smoke show, I will say. What yeah, happened to her? Let's find out later on. Number three, during the sex scene, the an- as I say that in quotes, the animals had to be chained down during that sex scene, but the squirrel would get loose and jump on the penguin. The penguin would jump on the cock, would bite the cockatoo, and all hell would break loose, and I'd find myself under the blanket with a macaw, according to Courtney Cox. <laughs> Death metal band Cannibal Corpse appears in the movie because Jim Carrey... Cannibal Corpse performed their song Hammer Smash Face because the Buffalo, New York band was a favorite of Jim Carrey's in his younger days. Jim Carrey got so frustrated at In Living Color because his sketches weren't being aired that he did a read-through, pitching his next sketch idea from talking out of his ass cheeks. Hence why that classic the film. Classic. Who doesn't love talking out of their ass cheeks? I mean... Before we get to my notes, before we left, sorry, before that Kent gets to your notes, we just want to say, hey, 
gang fans. Take a picture with you wearing your Gutting the Sacred Cow merchandise, and we're going to add you on our social media. And these notes sponsored by the guttingthesacredcow.com merch store. So without any further ado, it is now time for Kent Garrison to gut Gut the sacred sacred cow. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Let me just say, um, it's an honor to gut the cow. Um, been waiting almost a week to gut the cow, and so it's good to uh, to finally be here. Um, man, it, it's a long time coming because you guys you rejected all of my my pitches. I guess I don't know. I was submitting for like the Mensa criteria or something to to. Oh yeah, well. It has to be a movie that everybody likes or made money, but oh, nobody likes, not enough people like that movie. Or tell the crowds what your choices were before we. <laughs> oh, it was between this and Space Jam, I think. Or the, oh, that was God. the ones that, that I could have done. Um, I wanted to do Now You See Me, but not enough people care about that one. That's You're one right. That, no one gives a fuck about Now You See Me now. They always. You know. They always. Have you seen that one? No, and I don't know yeah, anybody, yeah, and, and, I, and I don't know anybody. You ever Kevin, saw you, now you see me? No, you got, you got a sequel. Do we need to? I know it did, but do we? Need like, to? Yeah, this guy saw it. Yeah, it was. It was, it was to quote Kevin Goatee, fine. And would that ruffle any feathers if Kent came on to go and assail? No, I wouldn't. Say, no, I wouldn't say. Of course it not. That's why. So that's why I told him it's either between this or Space Jam. So. Wait, hey, so so Space Jam would have ruffled some feathers if I. I think, oh yeah, oh yeah. People love love Space, you love Space Jam. Uh, I mean, I'm. I haven't watched it in a while. To be fair, I liked it when it okay. came out, but I haven't I watched it. Soundtrack. Keyword, keyword. The soundtrack was fantastic. Most yeah, most people yeah. who say that say, you know, I haven't watched it since I was young, and and then they have all these strong like feelings about it. It's like watch it now and tell me it's uh. It holds up. This show is king of that. It sure is. <laughs> well, we are, we are de-pantsing a lot of our fan favorite films. Believe I, my memory of so many movies has been ruined in the past few months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that. I can imagine that. Well, you know, speaking of of not holding up well, Ace Ventura, and I'm a I'm a Jim Carrey fan. To be honest with you, I, I like him overall uh, to various degrees along the line i would say uh truman show is probably my favorite uh you know i like eternal sunshine dumb and dumber i think still holds up pretty well it came out this year in 94 um but the other side of that the the riddler side the grinch side the ace ventura side of jim carrey it's just like you know there are certain things when you're growing up that um you know, your parents like tried to instill in you that, that ended up being total BS. You know, you find out when you're 30 or, or, or have kids of your own that they were total BS. This was not one of them. Then our parents are right to say Jim, Jim Carrey is ob- obnoxious and a waste of time and is rotting our brains away because this, this movie does not bring anything positive to the table um, for the youths, for the adults, for cinema for comedy for uh, in I, I don't know why and that year this is seems to be the movie that, that people are are the most passionate about uh you know you, you find a lot less 
hate on this movie than you do about The Mask, than you do even about Dumb and Dumber. And I don't understand because this is a film, and I'm going to say film because it's, uh, it's more than a movie, uh, of a man who, and a character who talks out of his butt for multiple, almost a reel of the movie, I think, is just butt talk. Um, this, is a, this is a man who has a job that I don't even think exists. There's no such thing as a pet detective. Um, this is a guy who exists in a world of his own. It seems like, you know, a lot of people hate Austin Powers and think uh, Mike Myers is as annoying as Austin Powers. But to me, Austin Powers exists like in its own weird universe of reality. You know, this subverse of people don't really act like that. All the characters in Austin Powers are different. It's what's weird about Ace Ventura is that he's the only one acting like this, but everybody else treats him like he's completely normal uh, the entire time. Nobody's he, he actually has one scene that's that doesn't hold up um, when you're talking about PC culture or wokeness or whatever it is. It, it is where he, he goes to a psychiatric facility and fakes like he has a disability, if you will, and um, – my, I'm thinking, why is he faking like he has a disability? Why is he putting on this act? All he has to do is act like Ace Ventura for any normal person to think that he has a mental issue. <laughs> so I don't understand that. Um, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't hold up, um, like I said, when it comes to current climate. But this movie's just annoying. It's just a waste of time. Uh, I don't know why it got a sequel. To me, the sequel's better. The, the sequel's funnier. I laughed more as a youth during the sequel. This movie... It's too serious for kids. It's too immature for adults. I don't really know the target audience. The target audience seems to be 12 to 14-year-old boys, and, uh, and that's it. But I don't really, it doesn't have any really redeeming qualities. It's not rewatchable. And uh, it's just annoying. Uh, like every like joke is reused 50, 55 times. Say what? I like the pain that you seem to be going through while you're talking about things. <laughs> like it really looks like it hurts you to talk about. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt, but uh, it's certainly, it's not great. It's not great. And, um, you know, I will admit I love this one as a youth, but it's only gotten worse with time, I think. I'm pretty much. Oh, so you did like it as a kid. Oh, I liked it as a kid. Yeah, yeah. It just it's, hasn't it's, held up at all. Besides the, talking out of it, besides the talking out of his ass, which he only does for one scene, by the way, let's. Sorry, I had a tracker, the clicker. What, um, what else? What, what else does it hold up about besides, I guess, that with that woke scene, but that you that you just cited with, with the mental hospital? What else is not holding up about it that you're just like, ah, eh, not doing it for me anymore? Yeah, I, I guess it's just Jim Carrey's whole bit in this movie. It, at least in in Dumb and Dumber, it's a little more in the writing than it is in the performance. Uh, in the mask, there's the whole mask aspect of it. So there's kind of the sci-fi elements for him acting this way. And it's cartoonish. There's CGI and stuff involved. This is just an annoying, really annoying guy. And, and, you know, you mentioned Rick Moranis, like you wonder what he would have done with this because this seems like once Jim Carrey was on board, he became a co-writer of it that they just completely rewrote it to be like, okay, Jim Carrey, every bit you have, Every Jim Carreyism that you have, let's just throw this all into the script, and this is just going to be you doing Jim Carreyisms. You know, like I'm pretty sure there's a line in the script that says Jim Carrey does Jim Carrey stuff. You know, <laughs> and he's just 
uh, all doing all righty then and walking around and doing his whole strut and having his hair in a weird line. I feel like there's fashion. pages of it. There well, what? I feel like there was just pages of him just of just say Jim Carrey go. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the, here's the thing. I and I just want to interrupt this one time. That happened. He did become a writer once they announced he was on. He, they he yes. would, they would go over to the In Living Color lot and they would write till they said all hours of the night. So he had a obviously a heavy hand in the jokes and all that stuff in the film. So yeah, that's how that uh, that's how it got to be. Yeah, and yeah, I don't really know what this was what this was for. Um, it's not a really good script at all. It, I guess it works as a vehicle for a really up and coming star that's really outrageous. I guess so. That that's the one thing, the one advantage that it does have is it found the right person to be Ace Ventura. I feel like. This had been Rick Moranis, I probably would have flamed out even worse. Um, but I mean, it made money and it had the sequel. But this one just didn't hold up at all. And then you've got the um, he/she part of the end. You know that the climax of the movie, so to speak, doesn't doesn't really hold up either. It's uh, it's pretty bad. I don't know why Dan Marino agreed to be in this movie. <laughs> this is like, I don't know. I've always said if I meet Dan Marino, I'm gonna say uh oh my god are you the guy from ace ventura pet detective you know <laughs> just it's always not a bit to, to uh if you meet somebody famous just name their most obscure thing that they've ever done because they always if you meet paul mccartney you'd be like are you guy from wings and that band wings from the 80s oh yeah. yes yes um but yeah man this one i try i try to avoid it i try to actively avoid it you know and um, just the, the whole culture around it, maybe like I said earlier, because I was around, I was engulfed in, in, in the culture of it so much when I was young that it's just so annoying. You know, every single, like the whole sliding door thing and the whole um, him running around the track and chloroforming guys and all everything of that, like everybody was replaying those bits for it feels like three, four years there straight. So yeah, it just got annoying. It, it's like if Paul Bart Mall Cop, if everybody for just three years was was playing Paul Bart Mall Cop on the uh, <laughs> on the playground at school, that's how it felt. <laughs> A movie that probably shouldn't deserve that kind of attention from uh, from kids. But yeah, anyway. it's funny. It's funny how you said that you laughed at the second one more. The second one is fifteen times more of his catchphrases. So if you thought the catchphrases were annoying in one, I'm curious to know how you found them to be so much more refreshing and part two better. I'm floored by that. I, I laughed more at that one as a youth. I haven't seen the second one in 10 years probably. So I can't speak to if, if I've, if I've liked it since we, we have done an episode on Ace Ventura. I'm mad about movies and I've rewatched it again for this, for this podcast. And so um, this is the only one I can speak to in terms of that, but, but yeah, I remember watching, being more familiar with When Nature Calls for some reason um, than, than this one. This one, I, I, like I said, I just don't know the target audience for this. And, I, you know, Siskel and Ebert hated it back then. They, they were floored by anyone liking this, the fact that this made money, the fact that it won so many weekends in 1994, which is a stacked year of movies. It, it defied logic other than Jim Carrey's this, this enigma and eight-year-old kids love him. And, um, enigma, Batman, Batman Forever. <laughs> I get what you've done, you son of a bitch. 
Look at you sneaking in an Enigma reference. That's Edward fun. Enigma. <laughs> Get it? Loud and clear. Ted oh, we Moore. all got it. <laughs> took, took Batman like 90 minutes to figure that one out. Though. Ooh, <laughs> longer than that. Anything else you want to add on top? Again, the floor is yours for as long as you see fit. Uh, Dan Marino should die at gonorrhea burn in hell. Oh, that's laces out, Dan. Laces out. Yeah, laces out is a good bit. I will admit that's a good bit. Every time I see that, that makes me makes me laugh when teams reuse that bit on social media and things like that. I think that's a... Uh, it's pretty funny. Well, every time you go to a football game and you see someone, you know, the other team's kicker miss one, you always see them play laces out or yeah. Yeah. something like that. Yeah, you always see the Finkel uh, jersey when you go to Dolphins. You see the Dolphins, people still wear that thing. Uh, Get it? Because it yeah. was the movie. I hate that. I've said that a million times. There's nothing that irks the shit out of me when people wear jerseys with two things. A, your own name on the back of your jersey. Go fuck yourself. You've never played a down or swung <laughs> that. Suck my dick. And number two, the assholes who have to put the movie characters on the back of their jerseys. No, Clark Griswold did not play for the Chicago Blackhawks. All right. Ray Finkel did not play for the fucking Dolphins. And no, most importantly, George Costanza never, ever set foot in the batter's box for the fucking Yankees. Get out of here with that bullshit. You know what? Fuck you, because I think a joke, a, uh, a Joe Falco jersey is pretty fantastic. You mean a Shane Falco? No, Shane Falco. Shame on you. I mean, it's Joe Flacco, I think you got confused. Flacco, yeah. That's because you went to your alma mater, uh, University of Delaware. That's, uh, I see the tie-in. But yeah, that's, a, a, that's a fake, uh, fake, fake team, so. Yes, the I Washington, so. whatever they forgot what they were. I actually like the replacements. It's actually amusing. I like it. All right. Kevin Israel, why don't you go first this time? Okay, um, so this movie came out when I was a freshman in college. Uh, I did not see it in the theater. Uh, all of my friends, uh, like Kent was saying, quoted it incessantly. If I heard "lose," it was it was like a nightmare for me. And all of his "alrighty then," really, like just con- on constant. And I heard all the quotes and everything so much that I just kept pushing off seeing the movie. Longer and longer and longer. I don't think I saw this movie for, I'd say, at least five years after it came wow. out. Wow. Yeah. I just had – I was never I was never a big Jim Carrey guy to begin with. So, uh, so whatever. So, I, I think I must have seen it on VHS. Um, and I watched it once, and then I had to rewatch it because Ken chose this movie. And I got to tell you, I fucking hate this movie. I hate it so much that I can't even begin. I was watching it and taking notes and I had to stop taking notes because I couldn't figure out why I hated it so much. <laughs> and Kent, Kent encapsulated it best by, by one point is it's, it takes place in the real world with this asinine character that none of these semi real world people would actually put up with. He would have never been allowed in a police station. He's a crazy person. He would have been the guy that people make fun of when he walks by the police station and be like, no, Ace, you're not getting it. Well, hold on. How about a lot of, like, Frank Drebin, perfect case. How bumbling of an idiot is he? And it's a real world. Frank Drebin was not. But Frank Drebin was was serious, but he was an idiot. This guy is an idiot and just straight idiot. Like, he's just a, a, a madman in a world where nobody else behaves like that, like Kent said. Uh, but I, I just think that's what part of the, my problem is. The other part is I just don't like Jim Carrey. I didn't. I hate Dumb and Dumber. Uh, oh, I, yeah. I, I hate it with a passion. And I, I don't think I ever even this movie ever even occurred to me to hate. But 
now that I've watched it again, I'll add it to my dumb and dumb. And there was Jim Carrey stuff I liked. I liked some of his more his more serious roles. I thought as the Grinch, he was fine because, like Ken said, it's a character he's kind of playing. Like he's he's being a character within a world where he, that character makes sense. Um, the uh, but holy shit, I couldn't. I had to. I had to pause the movie just to like go go away. I had to walk away from the screen because I just didn't care. I stopped caring about the, about the movie. And the funny thing for me is the overall plot of the movie is actually kind of interesting. It's kind of an interesting idea, and it could be really funny to me about this former football player who goes so crazy to get back at Dan Marino that he has a sex change and becomes a cop and goes through this whole ridiculous process. That's funny. The whole That whole plot line could be really interesting. And even when he kind of discovers it, that scene where he's putting it together and the crying game scene, like that was funny to me. Everything else that Jim Carrey does, how he looks, how he behaves is completely ridiculous. It's, he's like a cartoon character, which is like The Mask. He's like a cartoon character existing in the real world. But The Mask is supposed to be a cartoon character. This, to me, was just painfully awful. It created a generation of bros before bros existed who just walked around quoting him for no reason and making me... I, I, think, every, I think my freshman sophomore year it was almost a requirement to have that movie poster in your dorm room. And I, I just... Next to Fight Club? What's that? Next to Fight Club and Pulp yes. Fiction? <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I'll deal with the Fight Club, but fucking... Oof, this gross. Movie, this movie was absolutely abysmal. It does not hold up. And to Kent's point, the, the, the social aspect of it, which, I mean, I don't hang my hat on that because I understand, unlike most idiots, that movies <laughs> were made at a certain time and you have to consider the time they were made. But the whole scene where he was so horrified by kissing another man that he has to like make himself throw up and wash and take the gum and everything. Like today, if you did that, the, the LGBTQ community would be out there picketing against the, the whole movie. Like it's a complete, and the, and the scene with the, with the dick tucked, the, the dick tucked under also just, you know, that would never be able to be able to happen now. But the movie itself, I mean, I'd like to say that it didn't hold up, but for me, it was terrible from the beginning. Jim Carrey, and one of my favorite movies of his, Liar, Liar, there's an outtake where he and the, uh, the other prosecutor are going back oh, yeah. and forth with each other, and he says something to her, and she goes, overactor, and that encapsulates Jim Carrey. He completely overacts, and Kev, I think it's actually really interesting that you said, I thought he wrote this movie. I was sure this movie was of his creation, and he had everything to do with it. And so it's fascinating to me that this actually wasn't, and that the character was meant to be something else, because it might have been a better movie, but with his ridiculous and living color, it was just such an improv, just ejaculate all over this fucking movie. It was a disaster. It's painful to watch. I, I hope kids don't continue to watch it. And I tell you what, I am never watching this movie again. And so for that, I say, fuck you, Ken, for making me watch it in the first place. Give me a number, uh, one to ten. Two. Two. No way that, and here are my notes, of course. No way that Smoke Show, who blows Ace Ventura for finding her dog, is ever with Randall Tex Cobb's character. He looks like he takes all of his meals from a can, a strip club, or the dog track. Did you look her up? No. I meant to when I forgot. I should, <laughs> for obvious reasons. I laugh my balls off when he drives with his head out of a window like a dog. Fucking cracks me up. Hilarious. Courtney Cox at her absolute zenith, look-wise. Acting-wise, yep. she's at a third-grade summer theater camp level. 
But look-wise, fucking top of the mountain. Speaking of Courtney Cox, good to see her rebound from Masters of the Universe. I still haven't forgiven Canon Films for taking a grand idea and spraying penguin diarrhea all over it. And it's, uh, I love I love the subtle improv moments he had. Like when he was walking through the bathroom and he looks and he pops his zit in the mirror, hilarious. When he yanks the cello's arm as he's playing, the cellist arm as he's playing, hilarious. I'm sure the tight asses who watch the films today with clipboards will clutch their pearls and trip over their own feet trying to post on Twitter what an outrage of crime game scenes were, as you both have pointed out. Another, as you said, woke moment when they, when they see the cock in the, in the underpants. Courtney Cox wins the award for the fakest low-key sex scenes ever made in movie history. No one was buying that she was getting fucked. No one. During the crying game shower scene, I saw a real hate crime. You know what that was? The goddamn toilet paper was on backwards. It was from behind. That, that is a, that's an atrocity. That whoever did set the set design for this is a fucking knuckle dragger. You should rot in hell with Dan Reno and gonorrhea. Or maybe they were so on point because Ace Ventura is such an asshole that he would do that. This is the fewest notes I've ever written for a film. Fewest ever. You know why? Because this film is fucking hilarious. I saw it opening weekend. I saw it twice in the theater. I owned it from VHS. I love this film. This film is hilarious. It still stands up beautifully. Laugh my balls off from beginning to end. Family loves it. I know way more people who love this film than hate this film. And the second one had some moments, ironically, released on my birthday, so that's a nice little happy birthday present for me. I fucking love Ace Ventura. I love Dumb and Dumber. I love me, myself, and Irene. I hated Ugh. Cable Guy. Hated Cable Guy. That was an abortion. I never saw it. Oh, it's a dark comedy, by the way. Fun fact, Chris Farley was supposed to play the role that Jim Carrey took in Cable Guy. Jim Carrey and Lace in Living Color is an absolute gem. His impressions are insanely spot on. I had... Some would have desired to see this. Then he was on Howard Stern the week it came out. And Howard Stern was like, I saw this movie. I can't believe it. It's going to bomb, but I love, I left my balls off. And I said, all right, fuck it. And I went, and I thought, this film is an American classical comedy. It oh. deserves you in all mantles. Eight out of ten. You're both oh wrong. God. Eight out of ten. That's right. I said it. Eight out of ten. Ace Ventura is still hilarious. It's fucking silly. You're right. And how many other top – the Pink Panther, Inspector Clouseau. How many other dopey characters wander through shit and things happen to them that aren't normal? Yeah, Jim Carrey, a, a lot over the top. I give you that. But God damn it, these jokes are tight. They are funny, and it is quotable as shit. This the jokes are tight. These love jokes, it. These jokes are looser than an eighty-year-old prostitute's vagina. It's mm-hmm. just flop all over the no. movie. Nope. When he when he's fucking with the the billionaire, hilarious. When he's fucking with a the the, the, the cop, Aguirre, uh, hilarious. Then when he went with the whole Sean Penn shit, hilarious. And I'm, I'm and I don't get bothered by the woke stuff. That doesn't bother me one bit. Go ahead, knock it out of the park. You know we're not gonna we're not gonna hang you for what happened 25 years ago. This film is fucking hilarious. I absolutely love it. It's a fan favorite at my house, and I love it. My family loves it. It is excellent. This is Jim Carrey's second best film. I want to say Dumb and Dumber gets the slightest of nods, maybe unfairly because Jeff uh, Daniels does a monster job with him. 
Jim Carrey is an American cinema treat, cinematic treat and should be treated as such. However, the last 20 years of filmmaking of his need to go and be dumped in the wayside. The number 23 comes to mind. I did not see The Majestic, but his serious shit stands The Truman Show. Nope. Oh, Man in the Moon was okay, too. I thought Man in the Moon was fine. But this film is fucking hilarious. You're both insanely wrong. I love this film. Eight out of ten. Zero problem saying that. The flag has been planted. Yeah, well, it's, the flag's going to tip over because two-thirds of the people on the screen strongly disagree with you. <laughs> You're allowed to, but... He's acting like... Up. Ace acts like he's just doing a bad William Shatner impression. I mean, he did that for one scene. That is what Ace is. He's, he's, he's a bad William Shatner with Johnny Bravo's hair. By the way, how funny was he negging Courtney Cox in the backyard? Well, why don't you cry about it? Saddlebags? Like, dude, she's a fucking Vegas 10. You're a schlep who hides with palm fronds in front of your, in front of your landlord's fucking house. But that's balls on him to pull that off, and then he, he brings her back. I think this film's Nothing hilarious. Not wrong, wrong. I didn't wrong. smile. I didn't smile. I didn't crack a smile once. Yeah, well, now wow. you know how I felt watching Spaceballs. So there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. That face that you're making right now, he hates yeah. Spaceballs. Terrible. Wow. Yeah. So where are you on Space Jam? Since we're not doing it. I haven't seen it in 20 years. Okay. I, I, more than 20 years. I saw it in the theater when it came out. I think my brother had it. He owned it. But I haven't seen it since. It's got, I mean, it's got to be terrible. I don't remember I'm it. Sure. I don't remember it at all, but I'm sure it's terrible. Well, let's get some more chuckles in here as we go through the critics' five-star reviews. Five-star reviews. Five star reviews by critics. Yeah! Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, is probably the Citizen Kane of Pet Detective movies, and 30 seconds after walking out, you won't remember anyone except Carrie, but its relentlessly stupid way, it's very funny. Wait, of course, the main draw. Oh, say it again, sorry. Did he say it's the Citizen Kane of Pet Detective movies? He did. Make, yeah, you and can't it, take that away from it. In a class of one, it's hard not to be. But, of course, the main draw is Jerry, unleashed and with a six-pack of Jolt Cola in him. Another 90s reference that made me smile. A riot from start to finish, Carrie's first feature comedy is as cheerfully bawdy as it is idiotically inventive. The surprisingly enjoyable family comedy, family comedy, my ass, that catapulted Jim Carrey to fame and fortune as the most popular funny man of the 1990s. Critics, one-star reviews. Critics, one-star reviews. Critics, one-star reviews. <laughs> Put a leash on Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, and call it a dog. This mangy comedy showcase for funny man Jim Carrey trots through virtually every lowbrow laugh-getter imaginable, short of hiking its leg over a fire hydrant. Repeat. See, you know what? I don't even think it was lowbrow. To me, it, this wasn't a lowbrow issue. I like lowbrow humor. Right. This wasn't a lowbrow humor. It was just an over-the-top, it's just, it's just too much. It's, it's like fucking cotton candy. It seems like a great idea, and then you eat it, and you're like, you know what? This shit's disgusting. Disagree. Replete with rude noises, pathetic table manners, and bathroom jokes, because I go to the movies to learn about how to place a butter knife in the proper setting at, at a table, and bathroom jokes that would discredit a second grader, Ace Ventura is an endeavor that all concerned should omit from their resumes. Uh, I don't think Courtney Cox is crying foul on that one. By the way, another fun fact I did not put in here. You know who the biggest star at that time when that film came out was? Tone Loke. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, and you know what? And I'm I'm so glad you brought that up because that was the best part of the movie at the end when they played the Tone Loke song. I was like, all right, now that's kind of cool. That no one heard ever again. <laughs> the most, and how hard do you have to shoehorn I in there every time you spoke? <laughs> and I was waiting for Jim Carrey to mimic him back. And I was like, I guess he, he couldn't do that back then. The most obnoxious case of max, masculine swagger since Andrew Dice Clay with a tad of Paul Lind thrown in for spice. Jim Carrey defies you not to bolt for the exit. Masculine swagger since Andrew Dice Clay. This is, these reviewers try so hard and pull, grasping for straws at nothing. That's not even a comparable option in my book. Carrey has no funny lines and no funny gags. What he's left with is acting silly, striking poses, and making faces at the camera. Agreed. Hi, Captain Subing. How are you? How are Gopher and Doc? Permission to come aboard, sir. That's funny. Amazon one-star reviews. Amazon five-star review the ooze. It's time for Amazon five-star reviews, five-star reviews. Now, this review date I give you is June 2020. Before Jim Carrey lost it, this was one of his funniest movies. Very funny. Surprise ending. Signed, someone from Amish country. Surprising thing. <laughs> I mean, it's be a joke. no, it's not. No, it is not, Kent. These are cut and pasted from Amazon's reviews. This is like saying, oh my God, I had no idea Kaiser Soze was Kevin Spacey. The Amish shop on Amazon? That's. <laughs> what does he mean he sees dead people? Yeah. Love animals and Jim Carrey, if it's cold enough. This is by far one of the most hysterical films that Jay Carrey has ever done. It's tough, but this is but this pet detective is ready for anything. From shih tzus to tutus, it's nonstop laps from start to finish. Check out the sequel when Ace Ventura, Ace Ventura, when nature calls. You'll want to hold off on the drinks if you watch them back to back. Sign someone who never misses the Pun Olympics. The sequel, I did laugh very hard when he was giving given birth in the rhinoceros suit. That, that is the best part. See, I think the sequel is okay. That, that, that part's hilarious. Bad. That's hilarious. When he but, was doing the shadow puppets. Hilarious, the, uh, too. Hilarious. Show, that's when I, I remember as a youth thinking that was the, the peak of comedy. By the way, Kent has said youth more than anyone quoting I, I my, just, my cousin Vinny. <laughs> As a, as as a young, young man, as a kid. That's a bell mirror. I was yeah. a youth. Uh, my lord, single. You'll want to hold off on the drink. Oh, that's right. He said that one. I'm sorry. Grandson loved it, and it is good and clean. Something tells me that grandson turns the volume down on grandmom's hearing aid and hides her glasses when they watch this if she thinks this is clean. Oh, my Why God. Why is that man shaking around in the beginning like he was in a blender? I don't understand what was happening. Yeah. Amazon one star reviews. Amazon one star reviews. Amazon one star reviews. Amazon one star reviews now. Amazon one star reviews. Amazon one star reviews. Amazon one star reviews now. Amazon one star reviews. One star review. One star review. One star one star reviews. I <laughs> I hate this movie. My kids love it. They talk to me out of their butt now. They keep saying, they keep saying, like a glove. I blame their father. <laughs> Signed, parents who share custody of their kids now from the divorce. Hey, Kev, what movie, what pretty famous movie imitated the butt talking scene? Oh. 
you got to give me a clue. This is good morning. Good morning. I've been up since a crack of dawn, and I have to ask you a question. I don't know. Varsity Blues. Saw it twice. Couldn't tell you the last time I saw it. My buddies and I quoted that movie all college. Yeah. And yet another woke asshole going over the edge in the comparison. Ready? It starts off okay in the first two acts, held together by Carrie's manic on-edge performance. But it completely falls apart in the third act by acting so appallingly transphobic. It's basically telling the audience directly to demonize and persecute anyone who looks or sounds different. This is the 90s equivalent of Birth of a Nation. And I wish I could... I, I wish I could erase this piece of garbage from my mind. I say 90s equivalent of people being hung due to racism. Not even close, you knee-jerk simpleton asshole. You know all those white supremacists walking around that look like Ace Ventura now. Yeah, they got the big cow lick and they're driving with their <laughs> fucking heads out the window yelling the N-word. That's right, dummy. Fucking people. I hate woke assholes on, on Amazon. If I would have known how much sex there would have been and referred to and shown, we would have not watched this as a family. Very disappointed. Oh my. I knew that was coming. Very disappointed that it showed a romping sex scene. Crude language. What about What is romping about bedposts hitting the wall and animals watching lazy sex sounds? I ask you to. I don't like my sex romping. I prefer it nice and vanilla. With a sheet, with a sheet over. Yeah. Between the Dislike Jim Carrey's stance on guns. Won't watch his movies anymore. I'm sure he's saddened by this. Signed, Charlton Heston. <laughs> I love when this came out and I was a teenager. A lot of time has passed, and as I've grown up, so has our society. The bigotry, where's the bigotry? And sexism, where's the sexism? That was funny to me is no longer funny. It is a transphobic transphobic, homophobic, sexist mess that I was embarrassed to share with my family. Signed, Virtue Signaler, trying to gain woke points in the comment section of Amazon. Once again, ironically, the name of this reviewer is Karen. <laughs> you know, I'm going to bump up my, my, my score by a point just because I hate these reviewers so much. Ah, I knew you'd see the lights. Kevin Israel, I ask you... Did Kent Garrison gut the sacred cow? I'm going to couch this by saying again that I hate hate this movie so much. Uh, It is an undeniable classic that people love. Uh, uh, I I, I don't think I don't think Kent nor I gut the sacred cow. Uh, I think this is just going to continue to forge on like a zombie that has no feelings and doesn't care about anybody else. And it's just going to continue to be this terrible juggernaut that people with sense and a brain realize is awful. But no, I, I, I mean, I, he, he brought the noise and he made me realize how much I hate this movie. But I, I, I think he just, just barely missed the mark in a full gutting. So he didn't bullseye is what you're trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I did not think you got the sacred cow because I stand still correct. I stand perfect. Am I, am I saying he's shaking his head in disgust? But I love <laughs> this fucking film. Anyway, Ken Garrison, thank you for coming on Gutting the Sacred Cow yet again. And please, for the audience, where can we find you and your podcast? You can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison and our podcast at Mad About Movies on Twitter. Thanks for having me on. It was fun. Yes. Thank you so much for coming. We appreciate this it. This movie sucks. Yeah, <laughs> other than that, it was good. <laughs>
Agreed. I'm dying now. Now I have to go rewatch Space Jam, I guess, then, and see if it uh, is truly Don't. deterred. Yeah, I will not do it. Will you see Space Jam too? I have to see it. Yeah, I'll see it. But there's no, there's a zero percent chance it's good. I'll say. I that. forgot that it's coming out. There's a one percent chance it's good. Did they get LeBron to do it? Yes. Oh man. <laughs> and it's gonna be. It's gonna have. It's. It's just. Uh, I think they're gonna. Yeah. It's gonna suck. I, I agree. I'm not trying to hold any any candle to it. Kevin Israel, where can we find you? Can go over to my website, kevinisrael.com. Um, as dates come in for stand-up, it's, I'm putting them up there. It's trickling in. We're fighting. We're trying to make it happen. I did a show in an alley last week where a woman got tased. So listen, you never know what you're going to get when you come out to a Tell that story real fast. Uh, it's really hard for me to tell. <laughs> it's a little racist. <laughs> You have you have Kent's attention apparently. <laughs> there, so it was a, it was a show in uh, at a, in Jersey City, uh, and it was a place that usually does shows. And I've actually done a couple shows there. It's a great room for comedy, but they started doing it in an alley. The show, I mean, it was a little hot out, so it wasn't the greatest situation to begin with. The show started out, and a uh, a, a large group of um, African American folks came in, sat in the corner, and they clearly did not know there was a comedy show happening. Like, to their credit, they had no idea that it was going down. Um, the comedy show starts. The host stupidly went straight to them and started talking to them. They wanted no part of it and started getting a little loud. And then they proceeded to talk through the whole show. Then a guy, like, shuffled in from the other side of the alley who had clearly already had a day. And he had, like, a, a ripped-up wife beater on, and he had something. I think he had something in a bag. And then the guy who's running the show was like, oh, yeah, don't worry about him. He was here last week. Uh, he was taking drinks off of people's tables, but he's not, he's harmless. And I was like, well, maybe that's a guy you should just get rid of and not have near the show. But anyway, he started yelling shit at a waitress. The waitress started yelling back at him. Uh, they broke it up. The, sh- the show, I was going on last, and the guy, came, the guy running the show came up to me and said, you know, you're about to go on. And I said, and I, you could feel that there was tension going on. This guy, this group, there was like, there was just tension. And I said, you realize that a war is going to break out as soon as I go on stage. He's like, no, 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 it's fine. So he goes on. <laughs> I'm not going on stage. You are. Yeah. Well, no, he goes on to bring me up. Suddenly this woman who was who with the group, who was dressed in the lowest cut tank top I'd ever seen, the shortest pair of shorts and red uh, fluffy slippers, goes walking around the, the, uh, the fence that was dividing where the show was and where the show wasn't went up to the guy and just like windmill punched him in the face. And then he punched her back in the face and a full like melee broke out and they broke it up. And then I was like, well, clearly, and he was on stage getting ready to bring me up. And I was like, clearly he's going to end the show. Like this isn't, nobody's paying attention. There's a fight going on. And he goes, and now your last comedian, Kevin. And I was like, you gotta fuck. He's going to do this. Like, so I went up on stage while a fight was going on. And they finally broke it up about two, three minutes into my act. And a bunch of them went further down the alley. Like they pushed the guy, I think the guy further down the alley. And another couple minutes later, I was, I was like at a punchline too. And you just heard zap. Ah! And somebody got tased. I have no idea who got tased. I don't know who did the tasing. Uh, and then the show finally ended. And I, it was capped off by another homeless man coming up to me and tipping me $2 for the show. <laughs> or was he just paying you two bucks to shut up and get off the stage? 
So where's the part? Where's the part that's racist? I mean, it was. You really had to see the group. I'm toning it down a little. I see. Okay. It was. It was. It was something. It was a. It was an experience. I thought you were meant it was racist because they were black, but that wouldn't mean it's racist. It unless they're exchanging slurs. Then that. Oh, would well, there's a lot of that. There was a oh. lot. Of, oh, there was a lot of. <clears throat> a lot of there was, I mean, literally everything you could imagine. And it was, and like, they were talking the entire, the entire show at this level. Like they weren't even trying to kind of be quiet. And none of the comics who went up would even acknowledge, like back in the, like in a normal comedy club, in a normal situation, somebody would have been like, hey, shut the fuck up. There's a show going on. But I think partially because we're just happy to be performing and also just because of the. And it's in an alley. <laughs> that, yeah. And fuck the you, this of everything that's going on in the country, everybody's like, you know what? We're just going to. Ignore it and let it go. They could be like, fuck you. This is where I shoot heroin every night. You're in our neck of the woods now, pal. <laughs> but anyway, listen, guys. Kevin Goatee, Kevin Israel. Thank you, Kent Garrison, yet again for coming on Gutting the Sacred Cow. We appreciate it. Of course, KevinGoatee.com. K-E-V-I-N-G-O-O-T-E-E. I don't know. Dates, yeah. They'll be coming in. Who knows when? Who cares? GuttingTheSacredCow.com. More importantly, for your merch store, check it out. Get there on August 3rd. We're offering, I don't know when this is going to air. I shouldn't say that either. But go to guttingthesacredcow.com. Sign up for a newsletter. You'll find out some of our, 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 our articles that we, that we publish on the, on the sly that you know, only are available for our newsletter followers, as well as cool videos that we post as well with some clips from the show that we think are really funny and really, and really cool. Last but not least, please give us a two-sentence review, five-star rating, if you will, if you could, on any of your platforms that you listen to us to. And that's it, guys. We can't thank you enough for being fans of the show. Kevin and I really, really appreciate the numbers of Honest to God just keep going up, 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 and away. So We love you guys. Yeah, you guys are the, are the tits. Thanks again, guys. We'll see you later. Take care. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.